University of Virginia Health System, we are for bringing advanced care closer to home. So we're bringing health knowledge directly to you with UVA Health System Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. Are there certain sports or activities where hip injuries would be more likely and be more common? What are those most common hip injuries and how do you prevent them? And that's the most important thing. My guest today is Dr. Winston Guathme. He's an orthopedic surgeon with UVA whose specialties include arthroscopic hip surgery and sports medicine. Welcome to the show, Dr. Guathme. Tell us a little bit about sports or activities where our hips seem to be more at risk for injuries. Thank you. Uh, the hip is uh, sort of the new frontier of sports medicine in that, you know, injuries that, you know, 20 years ago were really unrecognized or we just really didn't understand the pathology behind it. We're starting to recognize a lot more often now. And to be honest, it's sort of a, an exciting topic to discuss. Um, so your question about what sports predispose you to injury, really any sport where you're, you know, moving at a high speed and pivoting and changing direction where you're loading the joint, the hip can be at risk. And I think that what, you know, what, what athletes need to understand is there's sort of, you know, sports that may cause injury. There's also elements of just sort of the human body that may predispose injury as well. So I think it's an important concept to understand when you're dealing with hip injuries. Well, we're even seeing more of these, which we never would have seen in younger people. And as soccer becomes more prevalent and these, as you say, these stopping and turning and those kinds of sports are becoming more common. People are playing weekend soccer and injuring their hips. What about things that don't involve sports, things that we could do that would injure our hips that are just functional things every day? Well, I think I need to backtrack just a touch in that it's not that the hip injuries are more common now, I think we're starting to recognize sort of what's causing them. And it's a combination of two things, really, to make it pretty simple. One is the way you're shaped, and two is what you expose your hip to. So the normal hip is pretty tolerant to most activities, but there's certain elements of the way the pelvis might be shaped that might make you at risk for having a hip injury with, you know, with sports or even with just routine activities. And what I mean by that is sometimes the ball and socket of the hip joint just don't fit together that well and it's just it's either a developmental thing or sort of built into your genetics sort of the same reason why some people go on to have arthritis and some people don't and i think that what we're starting to recognize is there's certain elements of of the skeletal morphology that might make you at risk for having hip injuries so when do we know that it's actually a strain or an injury when would we go see a doctor so normally hip injuries will be pain localizable to the groin the hip joint is actually directly in the groin. It's not out in the side. It's not really in the back. So most people who have hip injuries recognize discomfort in the groin, and it's usually worse with uh, loading the hip. So if you're putting impact onto the hip, or when you're sitting in it like a for a long period of time with your hip flexed, uh, sometimes you'll just you'll you'll feel some discomfort. It'll be you know sometimes standing up from a long car trip, you'll feel pain within the hip, or sometimes when you're playing a specific sport and you do a certain twist or turn, you'll feel that pain, and that's when really we start thinking more and more about the hip joint as being part of the problem. What do you do about it? What's the first line of defense? Because icing the hip or resting, you know, you think about the knees are easier, but what do you do for the hip? The hip, like you say, easy. The, the, the knee is right there. The hip's deep down within the body. So, 
you know, even putting a putting a bag of ice on it, it takes a while for that uh, for that uh, cold to get down to the hip joint. So, like, I think rest really is the first thing I would try, just to just try to calm things down. You know, ice is very helpful for some of the inflammation that might be around the hip. Uh, people, uh, anti-inflammatories are always very helpful because there's usually an inflammatory component to it. Uh, but, you know, hip pain that's sort of localizable to the groin that doesn't get better after a couple of weeks, you know, you probably ought to at least see somebody to try to make sure you don't have something more sinister going on. And what if you do? When you go see a doctor, what is it you're going to do? Do you Can an x-ray show things or do you have to have an MRI? So I think that's a very good question. I think, and this is sort of my gestalt, if you will, that the x-ray is really the gold standard for diagnosing hip pathology. And what I mean by that is, going back to what I said previously, the way that your body and your pelvis is shaped is very important when you're trying to understand hip injuries. There's a term, it's a kind of a, a complicated term, I don't want, uh, but it's called femoroacetabular impingement, or FAI, and the femur is the thigh bone, the acetabulum is the socket, and basically, it's when the ball and socket don't fit together that great. And that's recognized really on x-ray, to be honest. And you can see sort of the way the ball and the socket is shaped and see if there's going to be a risk factor for having a hip injury. And let's just say that you do might you have that shape to your pelvis. An MRI can be very helpful to make sure the labrum, which is basically the, you know, it's almost like the seal, the, seal, the lip around the hip joint, the cartilage, you know, the soft surface of the hip, see if there's damage there or the muscles around the hip. I'm even hearing about some younger people requiring hip replacements. Dr. Guathme, when does it come to that? And especially we hear about that in our older patients all the time, hip replacement being one of the, the easier to recover from, certainly more than a shoulder or a knee, but when does it come with the younger people to something so drastic? So let me tell you, my goal in my specialty is to avoid hip replacement. I'm a hip preservation specialist. So I try to do everything I possibly can to prevent the progression of arthritis, to address injuries in a minimally invasive manner, to avoid the ultimate salvage, which is the hip replacement. Now, all that being said, a hip replacement is an outstanding surgery. It's got probably the best track record of any orthopedic surgery that we offer. But it is metal inside the body. And if you can maintain your own uh, anatomy in your own tissue, you're a lot better off in the long run. And so what I would try to do is recognize the pathology that might predispose you to having arthritis and do what I can to either correct it or at least ameliorate it to a point where you can put off, you know, getting a hip replacement much, much later in your life. Dr. Guathme, when I hear people complain of hip pain and right away they want to do something about it, or as you say, look into replacement. And sometimes there's a simple solution. And as a hip preservationist, how important do you think shoes or heel lift or orthotics play that role if we find out our hips are uneven or something's going on in our spine that's causing pain that we think is in our hips? How important do you think it is? My first line for all hips is trying to address the environment in which the hip is. So whether it be a misbalance of the pelvic stabilizers, whether it be a spine issue like you're saying, whether it be shoe wear, limb length discrepancy, a lot of times I'll start with a therapy uh, routine to try to get a functional assessment so a therapist can take a look at you and see how you walk, see if there's something that it, just in the way you do things that might put your hip at risk. 
And that really is the first line for all people with hip problems, just to make sure that you correct what can be corrected before you go forward with something like surgery. And to be honest, most people get better without surgery. So, um, and, and like what I was, as far as hip preservation, that's where I come in. And I do arthroscopic surgery of the hip. And so if, if the therapy doesn't work um, or if there's pathology that can't be addressed sort of from, from an external standpoint, that's where I come in and do what I can do to, to try to make the hip feel better. I agree completely, and I see so many people and have myself had hip problems that were solved very simply with a better pair of shoes or an orthotic or a heel lift. So these these kinds of solutions are something that people really can look to. And what role do you think that exercise plays in keeping those good, strong hip muscles? And what are your favorite exercises to recommend to people to strengthen up their pelvis and all around their hip muscles? So I start with the core, typically. Uh, I think the the core is really where the foundation for, um, you know, the entire the entire gait cycle, the way you, your hips move. So, the you know the spinal stabilizers, you know the pelvic stabilizers, and things like that. Um, you know the hip abductors and adductors are very critical as far as keeping the, the pelvis balanced. And so, but again, I mean, you have to have your range of motion first before you can imagine strengthening stuff. So I work on symmetry. Just I, I look whatever's going on good with the right with the hip that's working. I try to make the the, the bad hip match that one. That's great information in just the last minute. Why should patients that are suffering from hip pain come to see you at UVA for their care? So, I again, I, I'm a surgeon who specializes in arthroscopic hip surgery. So let's just say that all the stuff we throw at your hip, it's still not getting any better. And we get an MRI and you have a labral tear or you have FAI, this impingement thing we're talking about. What I, what I can do that I think that sort of sets me apart as a surgeon is I can address those elements with a video camera and two tiny holes in your hip. Now, it sounds simple, but it's actually a very challenging procedure, and it's actually pretty challenging to come back from. Uh, but it is, it is a, uh, a technique that we can utilize here uh, that gives a minimally invasive approach to hip pathology. So I do think that there is a role uh, for trying to do everything we can to get a hip better without surgery, but when it comes to surgery, I think I can, I think I can provide a pretty good uh, 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 tool bag as far as things that I can do to help the hip. Thank you so much. You're listening to UVA Health Systems Radio. For more information, you can go to uvahealth.com. That's uvahealth.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening. <music>